Did you guys hear that? That was the Jacksonville Jaguars season coming to an abrupt end, in my opinion. This is Tony Wiggins with your Jacksonville Jaguars report here on Locked on Jaguars. Well, that loud, crashing thud that you probably literally heard was the Jaguars season probably coming to an end in terms of trying to make the playoffs. And more than likely, it might also signal the end for some personnel people, including the head coach Doug Marone. Two straight weeks, biggest games of the year, they failed to control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. They were punched in the mouth by a team that had been weakened by injuries after coming off of a bye in Indianapolis yesterday in a 33-13 loss. There's just no excuse for it. I don't care who the quarterback is. If you can't control the line of scrimmage and if you can't be physical, what are you playing football for? Bad loss for Jacksonville. Bad, bad loss for Jacksonville yesterday. Bad loss for the fans. Bad loss for the organization. Nothing really tells you where you are more than getting pushed around. And I know they're missing uh, Marcel Darius on the defensive line. But the way his salary is set up, Marcel Darius ain't going to be a part of this team next year anyway. The return of Nick Foles, while exciting early on with a nice deep crossing pass touchdown, for 33 yards to DJ Chark. After that, though, when you look at the numbers, the numbers aren't bad. 297 yards, 33 out of 47 or whatever. But you got the two picks and you got the one touchdown. Those are popcorn numbers, and I've been saying that all year long. Sometimes you can have stats that are popcorn numbers. And what I mean by popcorn numbers is they're all blown up and puffed up, but they don't have no weight to them. And that's what happened yesterday. The Jaguars basically threw pot shots, got sacks, got strip sacks, uh, got sacks early from uh, Josh Allen and another strip sack from Yannick Ngakwe, made some nice tackles, made some nice plays, hit some nice plays on offense. They only gave Leonard Fournette the ball nine times, which was an absolute mistake. I think they fell in love with their toy, and their toy was the return of Nick Foles. I've been telling people all along, man. A team full of guys in the locker room that get along and have fun, that's all well and good until you lose. And when you lose, now it looks like you're having too much fun at the expense of the fans' time. And no one likes that. No one likes all the preachy stuff when things aren't going good. I mean, it's just the way it is. It's the nature of the beast. It's just the nature of the beast. That's just the way things are. You know, people want to see winning. Folks pay good money to see gladiators go at it on Sunday and hopefully their team is on top. Folks pay good money to see boxing and UFC. They don't care for the most part whether you're a good guy or not as long as you're not doing anything criminal or egregious. That's why I've been on this podcast for the last two weeks talking to people about Stop worrying about all of that personal stuff, man. The only thing that's going to matter for you guys is if the team, if this team goes out and wins and if they don't. And in two very winnable games. You know how I know they're winnable? Because Baltimore beat the crap yesterday out of Houston, 41-7. The Colts lost last week to the Miami Dolphins, even though Jacoby Brissett didn't play. The Colts came into this game without their top three receivers 
and they ended up having two separate running backs get 100 yards. What happened to this team? What happened to all the playmakers? Is there some sort of disconnect between the front office and the coaching staff? I remember Doug Marone being upset a few weeks ago when it was talking about the Jalen Ramsey stuff that somebody, he was upset that no one else was down there to answer those questions. It's almost as if, okay, maybe Jalen did start it, but it was over. And then all of a sudden, it got escalated by other people who never stood in front of a microphone to answer those questions. I do think that there's some sort of disconnect between the coaches and the front office. But at this point, there ain't much anybody's going to be able to do about it. Because I think there are going to be wholesale changes at the end of this year. The only, the only thing the Jaguars can do from this point forward is win out. And I think that's nearly impossible to do if you're Jacksonville at this point. Because there's no substitution for being able to win the line of scrimmage. And right now the Jags have shown that they cannot do that. So what we're going to do here, we're going to move forward. And I'm going to discuss some things with you and some problems that this team has. And I'm going to do that in just a second. So buckle your seatbelts. It's Tony Wiggins with Locked On Jaguars. Folks, I got to tell you about our friends over at Blue Chew. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. For instance, most guys talk a good game, but if you're one and done, Blue Chew can even help with your follow-through for round two. That's right. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use a special promo code of MLB. That's right, like Major League Baseball. Just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's blue, like B-L-U-E, Chew.com. Promo code MLB to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Okay, as I promised uh, here in segment two, that I was going to dig in a little bit and explain uh, what I think ails this team, what I believe the, the, the problems are, how I think those problems can be fixed, and what I anticipate is going to happen moving forward. You know, I'm always hesitant to talk about the draft when a team is still alive and a team is still playing. So what I was planning on doing today was talking about the draft, but only talking about it from the perspective of the Jaguars having the Rams pick because I was thinking that, okay, maybe the Rams will continue to lose and Jaguars will win, and at least I can talk about a Rams pick that appears to be headed towards a high pick, but I can't do that because the Rams actually won their game last night. So what, what what's wrong with Jacksonville? I, I think in the NFL what you have is teams that you have three types of teams, and, and, and it's going to be a little bit vague because I think sometimes teams fall – some teams fall right in the middle of these categories. I think you have teams that expect to compete. Teams that expect to compete. Almost like in college, Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State, they expect to be competitive and, and good every single year. Um, then you have teams that hope. 
that they can be competitive. And I think the Jags were teetering on the edge of hope, not on the high edge of hope, but on the bottom edge edge of hope. And that's because in 2017, the team was leading in the fourth quarter uh, in the AFC championship game. So that, that gives you hope. They also had hope because they had talent on their team in certain spots. Um, procuring talent is not just about getting names that can perform. And you guys have seen that now. Procuring talent and team building are two different things. You can find a whole bunch of guys that can play and make individual plays. But it is very, very difficult to build a team along with a system, coaches, and a program that is consistently winning and competing for championships. Sometimes I have to look at the Jaguars playing, it looks like they're playing for themselves. So hope always looks good when you have playmakers and guys uh, who can make individual pot shots or, or flash plays. But here's the dangerous one, and this is the third one. The third one is teams that wish they could be good. So you have expectation, hope, and wish and this is where i think jacksonville and their fans are right now they wish they could compete every year they wish they could expect to go out and be competitive every single year and they've been wishing for 21 of the 25 years of this franchise's existence the fans have now become expert on the experts on the process of blowing the team up this fan base has become an expert or have become experts on the process of a coaching change these fans have become experts on the process of wishing this team could be good and that's why the criticism or anything that is uh, salvoed in the in the way of not being passionate enough should bother the faithful 50,000 people here because quite frankly, the product just hasn't been good. The product hasn't warranted you to have hope beyond the fact that you just have some players that everyone knows. The product has always made you wish that this team could be good. If the Jaguars want to provide hope for this franchise or an expectation, which the ownership seems to talk about so much, uh, that matches the viability they have to put a better product on the field. They can't. Once something's bad, you can't keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. Now, I'm not going to justify any player, particularly Jalen Ramsey. I'm not going to justify the way that people act. He acted the way I wouldn't want my son to act like that. I wouldn't have wanted him to express himself the way that he did. But get to the core of the problem. Was he right? Was he right? Because I know a lot of fans out there right now are pissed and then fans say well we're fans if you're an employee you don't act like that somebody tweeted that trash to me last night on twitter and i'm gonna tell you right now that's a bunch of bunk how come you can't be mad if you're the player when you're the one out there that you're the person that's gonna get blamed for this ineptness you why can't you be upset why can't you be upset if you're you got a close-up view fans only see what the end result is if you got a close-up view of what the problem is and you're trying to, whether it's unorthodox or whether it's uh, labeled immature or whatever, and you're trying to get this team from point A to point B or trying to be a part of the reason why this team should go from point A to point B, 
why on earth would people think that they know more about it than you do when you're in the building every day? I don't get it. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this, and I'm, and I'm going to say it good. When people talk about leadership, when they talk about Nick Foles, and they talk about Calais Campbell, it's absent. This team does not play. Yeah, they all get along. They all get along. It's not a citizenship contest. That's not what this is. It's not what this is. This, this is football. These are gladiators. And for the first time that I noticed, I watched yesterday, Calais looked old. Calais Campbell did not look like the Calais Campbell from a year or two ago. Miles Jack looks like he's out of place. He does not look like a middle linebacker. He looks like a weak side linebacker. The safeties looked exactly how we feared they might. Tall and stiff. No twitchiness. The backup corners or the corners now, Herndon, those guys, they played well when they got put in the game. But you know what he looked like yesterday? Looked like a guy that probably shouldn't have been starting. Taven Bryan can flash. But can he consistently stop the run? No. Avery Jones looks like a guy who needs to be a depth guy. The defensive ends look like they need to be starting and need to get paid. The offensive line looked like a, a unit made up of a whole bunch of guys mixed up that can't seem to get get on the same page. Why, why do they continue to start, uh, platoon guys at the right guard position? I, I don't get that. I've heard veteran offensive linemen say that that's the most ridiculous thing that they've ever heard because it never gives a guy a chance to really get going and get greased up. He's splitting reps. Why does Norwell continue to follow people around and run behind people? Every time I see a guy making a play, I see him chasing the guy who's getting the play made on him and the other guy who's actually making it. He ain't worth that money. What's so special? I don't watch take that closely, but what what's so special about Brandon Linder? We need to have this conversation about Cam Robinson too. That offensive line is just not very good, and if you can't win in the NFL and you want to punch people in the face and you want to be physical, you can't win in the NFL consistently if you can't push people around. Maybe that's why they didn't give Leonard Fournette the ball. I'm gonna talk about something else too. I think here's what I believe. Is going to doom Doug Marone. In fact, I'm not going to tell you just this second. I'm going to give you a chance to think about it and keep your seatbelt buckled. Get you some water or something because when you come, when we get uh, going again in this third segment, I'm going to tell you what might doom Doug Marone and his entire staff. All right, man, look. I promised you guys I was going to mention what I think the problem or the, the doom and gloom. I think I think they're all going to get fired. I think the only person that might not get fired is Dave Caldwell because I think Dave can go in and justify unless he wasn't the one pulling the string on these, on these draft picks. Josh Allen fell to him, but they still picked him. Okay, they could have taken TJ Hawkinson, who's been absolutely atrocious up in Detroit. I uh, told y'all, don't take no tight end in the top seven. So I'm glad we didn't do that. But Josh Allen uh, is, is likely a top two rookie of the year candidate. Some people think he should flat out win it. Um, Gardner Minshew, of course, looks like he's going to exceed any expectations of, in, of anything. I, I'm hesitant to say that he's 
uh, a bona fide super superstar quarterback, but he, he's definitely given everyone around here a, enough uh, of whatever he, he he was able to accomplish to think that okay he he, he deserves a shot. Uh, to be uh, the future for this franchise. DJ Chark has turned into an absolute stud of a wide receiver, and you saw that yesterday. He looks like he can be a guy that's a top six, top seven wide receiver for the next eight years. Leonard Fournette finally, uh, even though they failed to use him yesterday, and I'm going to get back to that in just a second. Leonard Fournette uh, has lived up to it. You know, he's matured on and off the field. Jawan Taylor doesn't look bad at right tackle. He's the one guy that I think is uh, really, really, really physical on that side of the ball. Ronnie Harrison has developed nicely, although there's times when the things that scare you about a guy like Ronnie, who uh, played strong safety and was more of an inside-the-box guy at Alabama, sometimes it rears its ugly head. Taven Bryan flashed. He'll still never justify not taking Lamar Jackson, who's probably going to be the NFL MVP, but alas, here we are. I don't think, while I just said a little while ago that getting names is different from team building, and I still will stand on that. If Doug, if if Dave Caldwell wasn't fired before when Luke Joko failed and they had to trade Dante Fowler and they stuck with Blake Bortles too long, and if you didn't fire him then, how could you fire him now after he's actually hit on more players than he did back then? I, I don't understand how could you how you could actually get rid of him. Uh, one thing I believe that needs to go away is this hedging your bet approach to building this team. You sign guys to big contracts and you front load them for two or three years. And then it's like, until we can get somebody better to replace them. I, I don't really care for that very much because it's even like that with draft choices. You know, this team is never able to build an entire house of competitiveness because they keep changing out the foundation and the slab every two or three years and justifying the fact that well it doesn't hurt us he played well he put these numbers up but now it's time to move on to somebody else i'd at least like to see guys lumped together for six or seven years as opposed to this sign them front loaded and replace them and why? And the reason I call it hedge your bets is because now you can't. You can go to the owner and say, "See, we can cut him, and it doesn't even hurt us. We can cut him, and we can use that money to get somebody else." And and what we paid him was was good. It's one thing to justify it fiscally, and it's another thing to not be able to justify it in the win loss column. I always said that if they go out and sign Malik Jackson and Calais Campbell and they do all of these things, and I don't care how well they play, but if you look two two or three years down the line and they didn't win anything or they lost more than they won, then it wasn't worth it because that's what it's all about. It's not about being fiscally responsible. That's just a piece of it. It's not about just getting guys that can play. That's a piece of it. You got to get people that function together. You got to get coaches that aren't questioned weekly by people that played the game and coached the game and said, why are they in zone in that situation? Yesterday, third and 19 against the Colts, they allowed a screen pass, a quick screen to a running back who only had fourth, fifth, and sixth string wide receivers blocking for him. And they got 31 yards on this team that's supposed to be able to run and flow to the ball. Here's what I think is going to doom Doug Marone. 
Earlier this year, when we did a podcast after the Kansas City game, and Todd Wash came out and he bit the bullet and said it was his fault because they got too cute in their game plan. Okay? That they got cute in their game plan. It wasn't, it was a couple of weeks later. No, it was the very next week, I believe. They go to Houston, and instead of tying the game up, they go for the win. Imagine what that win could do for this football team right now. Yeah. Instead of being four and six, they'd be five and five. Uh, and they'd be like a game behind uh, everybody in this division. That, that You know, if you don't go for the two-point conversion, if you tie the game up with the momentum and go win it in overtime, right? The other thing is, there was another time, and I can't think of what game it was, that they came out and said, yeah, we probably should have done this or done that. So it was like two or three times where they second-guessed themselves. At least in the Houston game, Doug just said, nope, we tried, it didn't work, okay? But here again yesterday, after a bye week, with every single thing on the line, with the teams that you need to beat, one of them, you're facing them. The other one is up in Baltimore getting their brains beat out by the Ravens. And this is the dud that you lay? And in the postgame news conference, they asked Doug Marone why Leonard Fournette, who was one of the best running backs in the league this year, didn't get the ball more and you almost made an excuse if you're Doug Marone talking about the valve or whatever that dude's name is that's kind of an H-back that set the valve he didn't play and maybe that changed the game plan then Doug said no you know what man we probably should have gave him the ball more and then when they asked Leonard Leonard was very short and brief nope that's a coach that's the coach's question and you wanted to see you said you were very comfortable with Nick Foles after him being out eight nine weeks throwing the football 48 times a game in a game that wasn't out of reach until late. It makes absolutely no sense now that you're saying, yeah, we should have done this. You know what? Shoulda, woulda, coulda. If if was a fifth, I'd be drunk. If my aunt had a mustache, she'd be my uncle. It's too late. You can't do that. You cannot second guess yourself multiple times. Uh, it's good that you're transparent and it's good that you come out and you take the blame and you bite the bullet and all of that. But guess what? Every time you do that, you're signing your own pink slip and you're going to be walking out of here and looking for a job next year. Jack's got some rebuilding to do, man. They got to get stronger on both lines of scrimmage. I don't think they're going to have the cap space in order to do that, uh, to really go heavy, which they shouldn't. They should draft and develop, draft and develop. They have extra picks in just about every round. Draft and develop. Find a way, hopefully, either they keep losing or if the Rams keep losing, get yourself in the top 10. You know, you better get Derrick Brown. You, you need Derrick Brown or, or use your second pick on Marvin Wilson. You need big, mean, nasty guys that are going to try to control the line of scrimmage because that's what you're going to play against every week in this league. And if Jacksonville doesn't figure it out, well, we'll be wishing again when the season starts next year it's tony wiggins we're locked on jaguars hopefully we'll have something else good to talk about this week i may just get into some draft stuff because i think it's about that time we start thinking about it